0: 52 episodes, 52 ordinary people, 52 real stories about things that affect overall health, because there is a lot more that goes into being healthy than food and fitness, inspiration, support, a new perspective and knowledge. You'll find that and more here on the HealthAbility Project. Hi, and welcome to the Health Ability Project. I'm Robin McKenna. Usually, I open the episode with a narrative related to the topic I'll be talking to our guest about, but to be honest, the information I found to explain today's topic was so varied that I decided to let our expert guest explain it. Our guest today is Reverend Dr. Rena Shear. Rena is a mental health chaplain. For the past seven years, she has been serving as clinical staff chaplain within the Veterans Affairs Northeast Ohio healthcare system in Cleveland, Ohio, where she conducts spiritual assessments, develops spiritual care plans, and provides one-on-one spiritual counseling to veterans. She is board certified by the National Association of Veterans Affairs Chaplains, and she is also an ordained Unitarian Universalist minister. Over the course of her career in ministry, Rena has developed and led lifespan faith development programs and classes for children, youth and adults. And she has presented on numerous aspects of spirituality, including spiritual connections and resiliency and spiritual dimensions of healing. What do we know? She holds a Master of Divinity from Methodist Theological School of Ohio and a Doctorate of Education from Teachers College, Columbia University. She is currently pursuing a Doctor of Ministry in Mental Health Integrated Chaplaincy from Vanderbilt Divinity School. Thank you so much for joining us today, Rena, welcome. Mm -hmm. And where do you fit the time in to do all of this?
1: Robin, thank you so much for having me on your show. I think what you're doing is wonderful, bringing together all these different viewpoints on what does it mean to be healthy in our world right now? So thank you.
0: Thank you. I'm glad to do it. I'm really excited. Thank you. So, Rena, if you could please help us to understand what spirituality means. Because like I said, um, the research that I did, it was so varied. I really just was uncertain as to what
1: the real thing really is. Spirituality is a huge topic. And I think it's, it's become an even greater topic as we're seeing kind of the role of congregational life, whether it be um, the Jewish tradition, the Christian tradition, the Hindu tradition, as we're seeing more people pull away from what we would consider more traditional religions, and people are becoming more individualized and we hear this this term spiritual not religious so in the work that I do as a hospital chaplain we actually have very clear definitions about the differences between spirituality and religion and we can look at religion as a tradition a place where people go where they want to have community where they are bound together by certain beliefs about the ultimate meaning of life where there are scriptures that they, that they read together and rituals that they perform together. And spirituality is very individual and very personalized. And I always explain to my patients that literally when you were in utero, you were developing as a spiritual person because the whole idea around spirituality is that we want to connect with something greater than ourselves. We don't live our lives in a vacuum. We need other human beings and relationships to, to really thrive. I hope that makes it a little more clear.
0: It does. It does. And I'm, I'm glad that you brought up the point of spirituality being individualistic versus organized religion, because I think that is the one thing that, that we can all agree upon understanding, is that spirituality really is an individualistic Feeling
1: or or thing. Well, I work primarily with veterans, and I run into veterans all the time who will say, Rena, I'm not religious. I'm not spiritual," and I can't necessarily tell someone that they're spiritual. But I I do talk of you know, kind of give them this this feel that I just did. But I think it's important to to know that or to have an understanding that everyone is uniquely inherently spiritual in terms of what it means to be a human being and to interact with everything around you in the world. When we talk about spirituality, we, we talk about these wonderful aspects of connection in terms of of having awe, A-W-E, awe, and wonder and joy, and these are very inherently human Emotions and experiences, so that is all a part of spirituality. Thanks, Serena. That
0: was that's interesting. I really I really hadn't thought about it that way, but thanks. So tell us how you came into chaplaincy spirituality. Was was there a point in your life where something happened that that this came up? How did it come about? And and just share with us your your journey in chaplaincy and and what what spirituality has done for you for your
1: overall health and well-being well there definitely was a turning point in my life and i actually came into the field of chaplaincy my call to ministry really came out of um, a lot of grief and my family has experienced many many deaths and so by the time i was 40 both of my parents had died And I don't come from a a large family, so it was really kind of my sister and I were the only two, two people left. My mother was an only child, and my father was estranged from his family. And I had been actually taking care of my mother, and she died in my home. And that was a great shock for me. And even though she was very ill, I was not ready to see or understand that she was this sick. And so it was really a big crisis for me. And in that same year, my husband lost his job and we had to leave um, this wonderful home and community that we were part of and move halfway across the country to a part of the world that I had never been in. I did not necessarily want to move. I was leaving my support system. And it was at this time that I really began to get a call to ministry and it really came out of kind of this this well of grief. And I think that when we talk about spirituality, we all experience so many losses throughout our lives. But in our current society, we really don't have permission mm. to grieve or to reflect or to be sad mm. or to cry. And so I was really carrying a lot of this with me. I had always been someone who found solace and community through organized religion. I was raised Presbyterian and church was um, a very big part of my childhood and a a very positive. And over the years, I kind of moved further and further um, to the left, um, you know, Presbyterian, then United Church of Christ, and then I discovered Unitarian Universalism in my 30s, actually. My husband and I discovered it. And when we moved, one of the first things I did was to, to really, the very first Sunday that we lived there, I went to the, this town, Lynchburg, Virginia, and it had one Unitarian Universalist church, and that really became a real hub for me in my life. And through that, I actually, after a couple years, began working at the church in religious education, and it never occurred to me to go to seminary to kind of become a minister until I had a female minister kind of mentor me and suggest it to me. And from the get go, I knew that when I went to seminary, I wanted to be a chaplain, and I very much wanted to be a hospice chaplain because I wanted to let people know that there was support when either you're dying or someone you love is dying, and that there is something called a good death. And so I became very, very um, called to this this very particular kind of ministry, which is chaplaincy. So when I turned 48, we actually ended up moving to Cleveland, and I told my family, I really have this call to ministry, and I'm going to apply to Divinity School, and I did, and I got accepted, and it took me four years to get through, and then I did a hospital residency at the VA hospital in Cleveland, and I worked in hospice, and then So when you're doing a residency as a chaplain, it's called clinical pastoral education. And at our hospital, you would spend time, you would do rotations. And so I did a couple rotations in hospice, which I was very called to. And then I actually ended up doing a rotation in what we call our domiciliary, which is kind of a communal living center for people who are unhoused and may have um, need treatment, particularly around substance use. And while I was serving as a chaplain in our domiciliary, I began to really begin to work with people who had experienced a lot of trauma, so post-traumatic stress in the military, but also even in their childhoods before they entered the military. And so I got really, really interested in post-traumatic stress and then very interested in something we call moral injury, which is... It's not a syndrome. It's not in the, the DSM-5, but it is a deep sadness and guilt and sometimes shame, a deep soul injury. And so then I, I really started to specialize in mental health. So I went on and did um, a six-month fellowship in mental health, and um, I've, I've kind of really worked more in mental health than hospice since then. But that was kind of the the trajectory of my ministry training. Wow,
0: that is some story. So would you say that your initial motivation was, was really to help people get through the passing of a loved one because that was your own experience? And then as you went along, you became even more connected to
1: the mental health
0: Yes, and the trauma and the grief and the sadness.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. And so now my ministry is really centered on helping, not I'm not going to say helping, I'm going to say companioning people who have serious mental illness and people who have had a lot of traumatic experiences in their life and helping them begin to access their innate spirituality and to look at spiritual practices and communities that can be helpful to them in their overall recovery, but also just in in their well-being. And so that's that's really my passion right now. So how would you say helping
0: others to feel better has helped your health and well-being or influenced your health and well-being?
1: So I think that that's a very interesting question because as a healthcare worker you know you know the past 3 years of covid have been very traumatic for healthcare workers
0: right right
1: and so i think it has made all of us become much more aware of taking a step back and looking at our lifestyle, and trying to have um, healthy boundaries between work-life balance. It has certainly helped me become much more intentional about my diet, about how much sleep I'm getting, about my exercise practices. I do a lot of yoga, and I take long walks after work to help me distress. It's made me much more intentional about my prayer life and my meditation life. Those are both ways to help me be in the present moment, detach from some of the sadness that I see at the hospital every day. And one of my spiritual practices is when I come home from work, I drive. And when I come home from work, I pull up in my driveway and I have a bird feeder attached to my garage. And for a few minutes every day, whether it's winter, summer, spring, I watch the birds, and I just feel a sense of, of awe and wonder at these beautiful little creatures and the fact that life does indeed go on, and we have a rhythm to life, and we stay attuned to both the, the beauty of life, and that allows us to be present to the sadness or the injustice in life and not avoid or turn away. Mm -hmm. And so it it is a very intentional way of being. Mm -hmm.
0: And it's that intention that actually gives you the strength to be present for others.
1: Yes, very much so. And I think that when you are with people and they are sharing some of the most emotionally intimate experiences they've had, it is such a gift to have someone listen to you and companion you and to create a safe space where people are able to share something that perhaps they have never, I mean, if I had a dollar for every time someone has said, I've never been able to say that to anybody else, Mm. I'd be able to, you know, feed half the world properly. But we don't have, it is very difficult to create and to cultivate spaces where people can open up and be vulnerable. And particularly I'm dealing with men primarily in the military who they have been taught in the military that their job is to protect. I mean, they, they take an oath that they're going to protect me, they're going to protect you. So every man and woman who enters the military takes an oath. And because I work primarily with men, I also see how from the time that often before they've been in the military they have been socialized and then trained to take care of other people mm. and so it can be very difficult to put that focus on themselves and see that part of their ability to take care of other people is going to be if they can take care of themselves you know we 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 use The story about the oxygen mask falling from, you know, when you're in a plane, you put your own oxygen mask on first. You have to take care of yourself before you can take care of others. So this idea of self-care in the ministry and for healthcare workers is actually a big component of our training.
0: So what have you seen over the course of your time as a spiritual caregiver or spiritual support person? How have you seen individuals change or how has it impacted their overall health and well-being? You know, you mentioned that you, you do spiritual assessments and you develop spiritual care plans and provide spiritual counseling to the veterans. What have you seen over the course of your career with your efforts or as a well, result of your
1: efforts? Well, I, I think what we see is that people really do want to connect with other people. Actually, the, the latest Pew research study was in 2014. They must be getting ready to do a new one soon. But, you know, about more than 80% of Americans say that they believe in some kind of God. And our veteran population mirrors that. The majority of them would would, would identify as Christian. So there is an idea that there is something bigger than them and that, that there, there is, you know, most of them would be theistic, so they, they would identify that way. Um, So most of them are very willing to engage with a chaplain and they believe themselves that their spirituality, if they are uh, in a low point in their spirituality, they would believe that they want to do something to feel better. They want to do something to be more connected. Now, many of them might say, oh, I, I want to start going back to church or, oh, I want to start reading the Bible. And so what we do as chaplains is talk about, well, that's a, that's a great idea. You know, there may be some even, you know, even more things that you might be doing. What if you have severe post-traumatic stress and it's a struggle for you to even leave your house? Well, then going into a, a church, that might be really difficult for you. But maybe we could have some virtual meetings where you and I could talk and we could talk about, you know, this idea of what is most important to you? What is most sacred to you? How did you come to some of your religious beliefs? Are those beliefs serving you well now? Because there is positive spirituality and there's also harmful spirituality. And so we just slowly begin to, I do primarily the listening, but we talk about what is most important to them? And what are small things we can do to help them meet the goals that they've set? What
0: do most veterans or what's a common response as to what's important to
1: them and what types of goals do they set? Well, I would say that for most of the veterans, their their families are just so so important to them and because i deal with a lot of people who might be who might have some uh, deep depression or who might um who might live with bipolar or live with schizophrenia mm. um, you know these are these are diseases that that can impact the kind of relationships that they have with with other people and so we talk about the kind of relationship that they want to have with themselves first. And then we talk about the kind of relationship that they might want to have with the people around them. And it, it, you know, it can be, it can be scary to be part of a group. And so we do a lot of groups at the VA, actually, where we bring people together, and we might listen to a song, or we might read a piece of poetry. And we talk about, you know, what does this mean for you? Or does this, Does this remind you of anything? And people begin to share in groups, people begin to have conversations, people begin to make connections. And so that idea of how how can I connect with other people in a healthy way, you know, often without drugs or alcohol, how can I, how can I be with people in a healthy way is a really big first step to their ability to kind of trust themselves around other people and build some some feelings of success in their recovery
0: and so helping people to find meaning or purpose is is a step towards or initiating one's spirituality if 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 it's absent in that person or latent in that person
1: so we we start small and you're you're absolutely right robin because finding meaning and purpose that is a big part of spirituality so it's you know the question is And I could ask you, Robin, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Like, who are the people or the things that you love to do that actually get you out of bed in the morning? And for some people, it might be their pets. For some people, it might be their grandchildren. For some people, you know, I have several veterans who do a lot of gardening in the summer. And we kind of talk about gardening as a spiritual practice in terms of looking at, you know, it's the whole cycle of creation, right? You have a seed and you watch it. And with all of, all of the earth's beautiful elements, the sun and the water and the air and the dirt, we grow something. And what is it like to nurture plants or to nurture flowers and how, how meaningful that can be for certain people. For some people, it might definitely be their house of worship. For some people, you know, we say that everybody is spiritual. Some people are both spiritual and religious. And so their houses of worship might also be a very important source of community. And so helping them develop habits and routines just day by day to be able to engage in some of these activities that are life affirming is the goal. And sometimes people don't think about what is meaningful to them. So by kind of talking about their past or what they've done in the past, it can kind of jog them to want to be more active in that activity.
0: So is where you are today where you thought you would be when you first started on this journey of ministry and and bringing spirituality to people?
1: No, not at all. I had really a 180 because I was so fixated on helping people have a good death because I didn't think that my parents had good deaths. And so that was a big source of grief for me. And so I think part of working through my own grief journey, it was necessary to spend time in hospice and study that and spend time in that environment. But When I had an opportunity to try something new, I realized, wow, there's this whole opportunity to work with people in severe crisis Mm -hmm. and to be present to them and to show them that another human being thinks that, that they have dignity and that they have worth and that we want them to be a part of our community and a part of our society. And that just became very, very exciting to me. I think also when you're talking about mental health, you know, the brain is just so, so fascinating. And when you talk about how do we help some of our most marginalized individuals, so veterans and then people suffering with mental illness, how do we give back to them? How do we be with them in a way that is honorable? And so I I find it very meaningful work. That's remarkable.
0: Thank you so much for your time, you know, for shedding light for all of us listening in today on on spirituality and, and what it really means and, and, and what it meant to you and how you brought spirituality or, or helped people to elevate their spirituality. It's remarkable work that you do. So thank you very, very much. Thank
1: you, Rob. And it was a pleasure to be here.
0: So thanks for listening. We'd love your support, so please like us, share us, and subscribe. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please email us at thehealthabilityproject at gmail.com. Thanks very much, and we'll see you next week.
1: Thanks for joining us today at The Health Ability Project.
0: We'd love to hear from you, so please email us your questions, comments, or suggestions, including future guests, to the healthability project at gmail.com and please like us subscribe and share us with your friends